Welcome to the Justin McIsaac Podcast. I'm Justin McIsaac, your host. Actually, don't I call it the Justin McIsaac Podcast with Justin... Whatever. It's the podcast, okay? Oh, by the way, the song is uh, Mr. McMahon's theme. Murph's a big wrestling fan, as, uh, you know, I am. Used to be a wrestler. So uh, that's why you hear the Vince McMahon theme. Murph wanted something else, and I vetoed it. So that, that's, that's what you can do when it's your podcast. Uh, this week's guest is Mike Murphy. Uh, Murph, uh, well, we go through all his titles. He's a, kind of a New Hampshire radio uh, legend. Did uh, Fisher Cats forever. He's been doing UNH stuff forever. Well, we talk about the uh, the entire thing. It's a long podcast. It's like over an hour long. I think the fact that we had beers uh, helped the length of the podcast. But uh, if you're a nerd from New Hampshire radio, uh, sports radio stuff specifically, I think you'll dig this. Uh, we take some shots at some people. Uh, and we kiss some other people's uh, butts. So, uh, yeah, I won't uh, make you wait any longer. Here it is, Mike Murphy on the Justin McIsaac podcast with Justin McIsaac. Well, we are here live from a bar that didn't sponsor me, but we're here anyway because of uh, my next uh, my next guest on the podcast, and that is uh, New Hampshire radio legend. He's How many times have you won broadcaster of the year, sports broadcaster of the year? It's like it's more times than me. You gonna make me one, two, you? three, four, five, five times, five times, five times, five times, five times. New Hampshire Sportscaster of the Year, Mike Murphy. Thank you for being a part of the podcast, Murph. Well, thank you for digging out the numbers. I didn't have to pretend to be humble. <laughs> and coach, geez, I don't remember Justin. It really isn't important. It's not about me because I understand this might just be about me. If if I, if I had won Sportscaster of the Year five times, I'd have it tattooed on my forearm. <laughs> So I could show people. Like, Look. Eh? Well, the key is to know one more person than the other guy. In that, other words, have one more person like you than the other guy because it's like five or six people voting. And a couple right. of those times, it's just an unlike, like when Eric Fried and I were finalists. Uh-huh. Uh, the, fir- I, the first time I ever won that award. Did you beat Frito? I did. You know why? Because he's too nice. Well, it was. And you're not. I, correct. <laughs> But this this is before I even became me, you know, the real me that people don't like. Before you became you. I didn't think there was even a hope that I could ever be a finalist for such an award. And, and when it happened, it was, I think it was 1998. Look, and he knows the first year he won it. Look at him. Yeah, I, Look I, at him. The exact moment, Eric Freed was broadcasting a Dartmouth versus North Carolina game up in Dartmouth. Okay. And that was when North Carolina had, well, they always have good players, I guess. But they were they Football were or basketball? This is a basketball game. They went to Dartmouth? They played at Dartmouth, and you have to ask Eric Fried when he comes back on your podcast again, why... He hasn't been on yet. Oh, he no, hasn't been on? No. Oh, he's been ducking you? No, I haven't. I'm, I'm trying to go as long as I can without asking all the people I'm friends with, but uh, which is why you're on, because I, I don't consider top you Top of the list. I wonder why I can... <laughs> but I, it was basically a loser-leave-town match. Can you, can you believe that I was named the sportscaster of the year over Eric Fried, who not only is the best sportscaster New Hampshire's produced, mm-hmm. maybe ever but is still one of the top in New England. And as soon as the award finalists were named that, he got the job at Comcast and never came back to New Hampshire. Yeah, so see? It was a loser leave town. So you re- he was so spurred, he left the territory, as yes. we would say in wrestling. Indeed. He had his <laughs> North Carolina game. He went on uh, and you know changed his name, went, went from one-man gang to Akeem the African Dream. Sure. And I am still... Like the Jerry Lawler. I just the, can't leave Memphis. I say the natural Butch Reed, but yeah, Jerry Lawler's a more apt, uh, yes. <laughs> more apt metaphor. Have similar rap sheets. Yes. Yeah. So, Murph, what, what is your job title now? You're like the associate athletic director in charge of communications or some giant-ass thing that can't fit on a business card? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> much, much like the ego, I, I can't fit the rest of the title. 
The official title is Associate Athletic Director for Communications at okay. the University of New Hampshire. Okay, there you go. So you do uh, you were doing UNH football at first, and then uh, uh, color commentary, I should say. You did that for a long time. Then you kind of gave up those duties. Uh, now you do basketball uh, alongside the legendary Jim Janot. And uh, you're, you're taking over hockey as far as I know this year. Is that correct? Uh, I guess taking over makes it sound very... Uh, yeah, you kicked Dan Parkhurst out of the booth. <laughs> yes. That's you it. hit him in the back of the head with a steel chair. I said, oh, that job's open. Murph texted you immediately. Murph, what's going on? He said, get out of here, kid. Step yep. aside. It's mine. The press release says <laughs> Dan Parkhurst chose other obligations and uh, has gone on to personal. No, uh, Dan did. He decided about a year ago. So he muscled him out. Yeah, he decided about a year ago. And okay. I, I can't, you know, Dan Parkhurst, unbelievable hockey broadcast announcer. Nine years at UNH. You know where he lives? He lives in, like, North Conway, right? North Conway. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> which is amazing. That's a long drive. And not only does he – like, one thing about broadcasting, which is why I assume you got into it as well, you broadcast, the game's over, you're done. You pack up, you leave. Right. He was running, and he still does, to the best of my knowledge, multiple websites. Like, he's updating the Hockey East website. Really? He's ho- updating the West Coast, the <laughs> National Collegiate Hockey League. So he'd drive a few hours, pull off the road, go rest up, update the website. <laughs> Call his wife at home. She'd update the website. This guy hustled for years. He sold merchandise. I mean, I have the utmost respect for everything Dan has done. He's been national TV. Sure, yeah. But I understand. I can't believe he lasted that long having to drive home on late Friday, late Saturday nights in the winter to North Conway from Durham. Yeah, that's not exactly a Sunday stroll. And that's only the home games. Never mind when you're coming home from Providence, BU, or or Notre Dame. Yeah, exactly. Driving home from Notre Dame, that's that's a commute. But so so that's what you're doing now. Yes. So well, I have a what else? You also have some gymnastics responsibilities, if I'm not mistaken. Well, you're not mistaken. Uneven bars. Uh, yeah. When they need me on the beam. You flip over them. You don't just. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you the boring story because that's all this will be. But That's fair. The, the, the job title, you mentioned my football background. So let's go backwards in order to go forward. Let's go back. Yes. Jim Janot, I owe my entire career to in New Hampshire. The legendary Jim Janot. Legend Jim Janot, who, by the way, it's great traveling with Jim Janot when you go to the Lee Wendy's. <laughs> really? Okay. You, you've done a UNH basketball game. Sure. And you're going home because we used to commute together because I li- we live in Concord. Oh, so, he lives in Concord too, yeah. So the Route 4 thing. And you go into Wendy's and yes, you hook him over an order and they, they when they see him, you're the guy from Granite State Challenge. <laughs> Like you probably get similar recognition whenever you're on Channel 11. That Channel 11 has weight. Yeah, in the, it's just I get just as much recognition now. But Jim Janot <laughs> is a legend, right? Yes, he was from the era of people know him because they always watch that show. They right. always listen to UNH. But I worked as a little pit squeak in the my early 20s at a radio station in Concord, which yep. is still there, WKXL. That's right. And Jim was the sports director, and I was just doing mornings. And in the middle of the 1998 football season. His partner, Steve Craig, another okay. media guy, since I assume only media geeks like me and you would be listening to this. That's probably true. But Steve was working at Foster's at the time. Yep. Had a promotion. He could no longer do the color commentary. And so Jim said, all right, Eddie, hey, you mind doing some color for UNH football? And that was 1998. Mm-hmm. Bill Bowes was still the head coach. Jesus. So I, I go back to before Sean McDonald, and I, I just stayed with it until I came to work at UNH in right. 2010. And the irony was to be my, – my position required me to – Get off the air. You had so much stuff going on. Yeah, you had to take care of so many other things. You couldn't be on the air for the games. But I'm still traveling with the team, still part of it. Right. I, I know the team a lot more than I did when I did radio because, you know, radio guys were just bluffing. Show up, you grab a roster. Oh, look well, at the game notes. Maybe everybody but me, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. 
Well, I didn't know if you're still a radio guy because you're like, you know, you're on the edge. Now. I don't you're know. On the cusp. You're I don't everywhere. know what the hell I am at this point except poor. But go ahead. I mean, I listen to you on my <laughs> phone. I listen to you on my toaster. I just can't. The only place I can't hear hear you is a physical radio. That's right. So I don't call you a radio guy. The media is dying anyway. That that, that medium. Yep. No, not around here, but everywhere else. No, I I admire what you're doing here. Uh, I've told you this before, and I hate to say it again now, but I love for you to say it. I have a gigantic ego. Yeah, I, I, you know it's. <laughs> I like your style. I, I, I like the, the way you, you present things. You're certainly not cookie cutter radio, and we we have a mutual. Well, you're a friend of his. And I just enjoy listening to him. That's Kirk Minahan, who you mm-hmm. had on this podcast, and that's when I started subscribing. Yes, I imagine fans just would subscribe. Like his version of radio. Imagine him trying that in New Hampshire. No, it lasts four seconds. Exactly. I can't believe I lasted four years on a traditional radio station. Yeah. I mean, it was close sometimes, but... But it's so entertaining. It is because well, thank you. the uncomfortable side and uh, keep it... I remember the first time I really listened to your show, I think your dad was your NASCAR guest. Yes, we had a, spo- we had a sponsor that wanted a NASCAR uh, segment. And I... Uh, spoiler alert, unless they want to hire me, I'll, I'll change my mind. But I'm not into NASCAR. I can certainly be paid to be into it. I'll be paid to be into anything. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, as my father is—he watches all the. He watches the race. He watches what the double A race there, what the whatever the hell the the, the the trucks when they race. He knows who's what drivers hate each other, who's banging whose wife, all that stuff. So I was like, okay, we'll have him on. And then I produced the uh, the NASCAR Jack intro, which I think was the best part of the uh, the segment, really. Yeah, it, it was it was a Saturday morning <laughs> thing, and in Concord I could get the uh, the 1270 signal on sure. a Saturday morning and. I think I called a couple of times or texted you just to really distract you and let you know. <laughs> and you'd say, Mike Murphy's listening. And I felt like a million bucks. I got one. <laughs> they, you were the only one listening. So, okay. So, enough about me. Let's talk about me. No. So, that is uh, – so, you. I was going to ask you how you got your start in media. And it was at uh, a young man at KXL. Or was there something before that? Uh, no. Where did you nothing. grow up? Are you a Concord guy originally? No. In fact, I grew up in Connecticut, which isn't that far oh, away. Oh, God. Right? It's not very far away. It's it, – well – I, I, Mileage-wise, no, but philosophy-wise, it's... Yeah, so I, well, I tell the long tale here. Go ahead. I grew up in Connecticut. I, I moved away from my hometown of Bethel, Connecticut, the same hometown as P.T. Barnum. Really? So there is indeed one born every minute. That's and true. And one's talking to you right now. <laughs> but I, I moved away from Connecticut after eighth grade year, and so I went to high school in Rochester, New York. Okay. Not Rochester, New Hampshire, well, another flower city. It's unfortunate. And then I lived in Naperville, Illinois which is outside of Chicago by about 35 miles. So I, I traveled a lot. Oh, you an Army me. brat? Or? Ah, my dad just couldn't keep a job. Yeah, He's a Murphy. You know? <laughs> so, but, like all, I mean, for the first 14 years, you think about growing up, yep. I thought I'd never leave that town. Sure. Now I go back. My parents have eventually moved back to that town, and I don't fit in at all. I don't like Connecticut at all. Right. I mean, I have my family. My sister lives there, her kids. and But I come, and I'm a stranger there because I, I lived everywhere else. But I went to college in Syracuse, your typical – Oh, whoa, 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 hold on. You're a media guy went to college at Syracuse? Yep. Cue well, the you, must, you must have been lonely. <laughs> you must have been nobody else in, in sports media. Was there, oh, what am I doing? Yeah. Go ahead. God, I hate media people, too. <laughs> I mean, because the stereotypes are so true. I mean, ev- everybody was the next back then. I'm the next Bob Costas. Even Mike Tirico was still becoming Mike Tirico. Though. Sure. But Mike Tirico, you shouldn't have copied back then. As, as I, <laughs> I heard some things. Yeah, but like Marv Albert, I'm the, and everybody thought they were the guy. I never thought I was going to be the guy, and I proved it. I've never been the guy. <laughs> but that's all I wanted to do. I, you know, I decided after eighth grade that I couldn't play any sports, and my yep. father had said, well, what about broadcasting? I said, yeah, I can go to games for free. Mm-hmm. And it was as simple as seeing 
finding out more about this guy's on TV. Where'd he go? Syracuse. He's the guy on the radio. So, okay. I, I didn't even go a campus visit. Really? I just, <laughs> just knew you were going? I was in Illinois, and I said, I'm going to Syracuse, and they accepted me because they go, wow, a guy from Illinois wants to come here. They didn't realize I was an hour down the road a year earlier. Right. So moving is the only reason I got in. <laughs> I didn't see any other campuses. I didn't care. And then, I, you know, it's a miserable place to live, Syracuse, New York. Absolutely, yeah. But I had fun. I had fun. And then I, I tell the whole tale because right before I graduated, I, I got a job posting at the Career Center. Mm-hmm. Dick Osborne, whose name is synonymous with UNH, at least it was at one time. Okay, he had he was the general manager of this radio station in Concord, New Hampshire. And there was a little, you know, back then the internet wasn't a thing back right. in those days. So it was a typewritten thing on the wall saying job opening for morning radio announcer and sports was part of it. I saw yep. the word sports. And you went bing, and there was a phone number. Imagine applying for a job where you can call the direct number. It's, I have a hard time finding the right person to email my, my shit to right now, and I've been in the business for, what, like nine years? So. This was 1995. <laughs> you can't do it anymore. You can't. Right. No one will put their phone number. No one will answer the phone number. No. And You talk to a lot of voicemails if you try that. Voicemail didn't even <laughs> exist, I think, then. But I called after five one day because, you know, in college, you don't care what time it is. Right. And Dick Osborne answered the phone. Right. If you run a radio station, you're you pretty much you're, it's a 24-hour job. So. so the general manager answers. We hit it off. He gives me a chance to come interview, and I, I, I sent him a demo tape, and I called it Concord, New Hampshire. I'd, oh. never, I'd never been to New Hampshire. Right. Again, Connecticut's close. Had never traveled this way. My family's from New York City. Everything is New York. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Had never been here. Didn't know how to say the capital. Complete idiot. But I came up, and, and sure enough, I ended up uh, getting that job. Look at you. Look at you. Couldn't even say Concord. And you plant yourself in the... I uh, but it, it, here's the... Uh, in the other, capital city. Here's the other story that no one will find funny but me. So here it is. I'm graduating college, the summer of 1995. Hold on a second. Who was the most famous guy you graduated with that anybody would know about that was in the sports program? Before we, before we continue. Uh, it depends on your audience. My, my, my good friend. This is all, there's nobody, there's nobody casual listening to the pie. It's all media dorks waiting to see who we shit on. So well, it, depends, who <laughs> well, it depends if we, well, we're definitely going to do that. <laughs> if, we, if we slide down the path we often slide into, which is wrestling. Yes. The most famous of the alums was Brian Gortz. Who became the head writer yeah. for the W? Yes. Oh, I'm, you're changing his pronunciation for me. I'm sorry. How yes. do you say his name? <laughs> knew him. It's Brian Gewertz, yeah, yep. from New York City, who was like this little tiny guy, frail. Yeah, who, yeah, yeah. Who would eventually write promos for The Rock yes. on WWE TV. Did you know back then he was looking to go into that field? No, he wasn't looking to go in the field then. We watched Royal Rumble together, right. and, and do a pool and draw names. But sure. we, we'd watch wrestling like you and I did back in those days. But. Somehow he you know, was a writer because somebody, not just broadcasters go to Syracuse, it's right. film producers. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And he was out in Hollywood, and uh, his sister somehow was on MTV. Yep. And somehow Vince McMahon and MTV, and boom. It's uh, a different podcast. He was in there. I think he's the most famous guy because of the people I've been allowed to meet through him. Right. You know, eating at Kowloon in, in Saugus and yeah. having like Triple H in there and Randy Orton in there and Viscera and yeah. Rey Mysterio. And so I've had a lot of good joy loving him, but... I'm not loving him. No, I, well, I, uh, I do love him. I do love him. Yes. That's not go this go on. T- tell me about that. Talk but, to me about you that. Know, there's so many other random sportscasters who are out there that I don't think okay. people, I mean, whatever. Uh, who, Andrew Siciliano is a guy who's been Oh, yeah. The uh, direct TV red zone. He's, he's good. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm just saying he's not, I guess people don't think about famous, world famous well, I, I Well, I, normally whenever I talk about somebody on the media, it's because I'm, I'm pooping on them. I'm trying to swear less because you don't swear a lot. I'm trying to respect the Murph well, non-swearing thing. You know, my kids may listen. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, I had to say that. I, I know my kids won't. No, my kids don't know what I do for a living now. Siciliano's <laughs> good. My first wife, you know, she takes good care of the kids, and, and that's fine. There's, 
There you go. Do you have a second wife? No, no. We're still married, but oh, okay. she doesn't <laughs> like that I introduce her as my first wife, but I'm preparing for the... I'm preparing for the eventually because why change the name? Because if you don't, right. get, if you say this is my wife and you're divorced, that's awkward. But first wife will never be wrong. Yeah. You're not you're not being inaccurate. But let me go back to that first wife story because here I am graduating from college. Sure. Like 100th of my class, 99 better broadcasters than me. Mm-hmm. But I have talked to Dick Osborne. I interviewed two weeks before my wedding. All right, I graduate college, get married two weeks later because one woman said yes. You hang on yeah. and you go. That's right. All right, I ruined her life. I took her from Illinois. <laughs> Hang on to her like grim death. So to just build the drama, it's the day before our wedding. I'm, I've graduated college. I have no job. Mm-hmm. And we're getting married the next day. Dick Osborne calls me in Illinois at her house because there's no cell phones then. Sure. Her, her father's a phone. And he offers me the job. I'd like you to move to New Hampshire. And I go, okay. <laughs> uh, let me, hold on. And she's getting ready for our rehearsal dinner. <laughs> you spring this on her yeah. then? I said, honey, you might want to have a drink first. I go, can we move to Concord, New Hampshire? And she looks like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, how much? goes, oh, for $13,000 a year? <laughs> so uh, she said yes. Shockingly then, even bigger upset, said yes the next day at the wedding. Wow. And I've, I'm now making double that, so it's a, it's a success story. But uh, that's how I moved to New Hampshire. You did uh, tw- t- twice and a half what you were making then, probably. Oh, man. Look at you. <laughs> That's how I came to New Hampshire. So you, you're being humble, but you are a New Hampshire legend. You've done UNH. You've done Fisher Cats for, I, I don't know how many, from the inception until uh, 2010, I think, is, is when you did that. And you won uh, just a, a, a ton of awards for that. Uh, if, you, if you pay attention to the radio at all in sport, uh, as far as sports in New Hampshire goes, you had your own show on KXL Forever, the Sports Zone, I believe. People know who you are. I mean, do you enjoy the? I'm going to call you. You're going to disagree because you're fake humble. Yep. But you're uh, you're a, you're a big fish in a small pond. Do you enjoy that? Have you ever had any aspirations to go other places other than New Hampshire? Or are you just kind of rooted and settled in here uh, every day? If, if you're listening right now and you want to bring me in because you're believing, knock what it he's off. Doubling. I'm serious. If you had, if you if you looked elsewhere, if your wandering eyes looked, uh, you know, Boston, uh, New York, uh, still yeah. regional, but uh, bigger bigger places. Uh, it's it's yes. The answer is yes. Over the 21 years, but mm-hmm. at this moment, it's this career takes different turns. You know, Justin. That, that's <laughs> yeah, I know that. And yeah, and so as I like to say about New Hampshire. My kids are from here. So I go, okay, they're here. They're living here. You sure. know, my, my daughter's a sophomore at UNH. My son's in high school. Yeah. I'm not looking to jump to Portland, Oregon right now. But right. I, I think of places I'd like to eventually live. But I, I'm happy where the job is, and we can get into that boring topic. But during the course, I mean, from the minute I started getting up at 4 in the morning to do morning radio, I was looking for the next job. Well, the thing people don't understand about media is unless you're, like, at the tip top, yes. usually the job you have, you have that job because you want to lose it and get a better one. Yes. Like, the only per- – like especially where, where I was at TSN, the purpose of working at WTSN is to go somewhere better. You know, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And, and a lot of people are like, why don't you just like being where you are forever? And I don't th- I think, I mean, media guys are funny because we're lazy, but we're super ambitious. We got into media because we didn't want to dig ditches, but we want to be at the top of the top of the food chain. But, we, you know, we work hard at the things we like, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so people, I, I don't think, get that, yeah, being at a certain level is great, but you always want to see if you could do the next thing. Yes. The number one thing that's hindered me is lack of ability. Number two, <laughs> number two. is a diminishing ambition the older I get. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's life. And number three, and I truly believe this one, I happened to move, and I would have moved anywhere. I, I applied for jobs in New York City, sure, Wyoming, yeah. and I happened to land in New Hampshire, and I've been very thankful because there's a lot worse places out there. Yeah. But 
I don't like any Boston teams. I grew up a New York sports fan. I feel like I could have moved to Kansas City and adopted the teams. I could have mm-hmm. moved to Tampa Bay for crying out loud and become a Lightning fan. But I could just never stomach being a Boston fan. So even in those days when I was hosting talk shows, and I enjoyed it to an extent, but the people talking to me, they lived and died their teams, and I just couldn't fake it. So you're much less of a sellout than I am because if the Yankees offered me a job tomorrow, I'd be I'd be wearing all pinstripes all the time. I'd make a, I, I'd make Michael K look like a, like Dan Rather right down the middle. I mean, for God's sake. I, I, I can't wait to sell out to somebody. I'm dying to sell out to somebody. I would sell out, but I wasn't going to sell it out at WKXL for 13000 a year when, when Joe from Barnstead was calling me. I was like, eh, Yankees are going to win. And back then, I was a bigger fan than I am now. Like, well, yeah, the younger you are, the more passionate exactly. you are. Yeah. So uh, my passion for this stuff is, is diminishing. I like watching sports. I, I still find it entertaining. I love working in sports. But, you, you, but the, amount of remotes, yeah, the amount of remotes you break goes down the older you, your kids yeah. get and the older you get. Exactly right. And that's not it. What's the closest you ever came to taking off from New Hampshire and going somewhere else? Was there an offer? Was there something that uh, caught your eye? Were you tied to talking over with your wife and being like, well, we could do this? Well, what, what, what was the closest? Yeah, I didn't expect that question, but now that you've asked it, it does crack you up because the closest I came to leaving New Hampshire for another job that was literally and legitimately offered to me okay. was the play-by-play baseball announcer for the Altoona Curve. Ooh, Altoona, Pennsylvania. Sometimes the only place that can make Concord look like Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. You know, Altoona, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I tell you, the, the general manager who's now the GM in uh, Charlotte, just got a Triple A job, great guy, former broadcaster, sure. in Rob Egan. And it was flattering because I was basically courted. You know, I didn't apply for a job, but oh, that always feels. Yeah, you always like to be wanted because so much in, in the media, you are made to feel expendable by your bosses. And it, <laughs> I was just so happened that this one guy who appreciated that I was because you know here's the deal: working in minor league baseball, I don't know how much time we'll have to go into it. I love broadcasting. <laughs> much as you want. I mean, I love broadcasting. It was a dream come true to broadcast even at double A level. But the rest of the job. Is mm-hmm. picking up the phone and calling. Yeah, you were like the director calling. of tickle, ticket sales. I directed nothing. I was bottom rung <laughs> ticket sales. I was wearing the mask. That was your costume. title. Yeah. Uh, my title was uh, account executive. Oh, it was that one it was. So in the, at the age of 33, I took the same job that people coming out of college at 22 are doing. Mm-hmm. And I was making phone calls just so I could be on the radio at night. And after so many years of seeing Altoona and Bowie, Maryland, yeah. and Binghamton, New York, and being away and having the kids resent me even more and the first wife probably find her sixth boyfriend like at some point i'm like i don't know if this baseball life is for me anymore so i had already started to think about what was next getting out of the baseball realm sure and when the altoona thing came along because if it was a year or two years earlier everything else i liked i I thought the the ballpark was beautiful it was near pittsburgh and as i said i could get around i could see being close to the affiliate because new hampshire and toronto there was never any hope of the toronto blue jays and, and uh, me yeah. in a relationship. But I kind of had this feeling, if I'm in Altoona, I'm close by. and yeah, you know, maybe, yeah, They're popping in to watch the team. Maybe yeah. they hear the Broncos. Yeah, okay. But the long story short, the money was about comparable. And I said, I can't uproot to come to Altoona yeah. when I don't even know if I want to keep doing baseball. So right. I, I said no. And and ever since then, I, I was really trying to get to UNH. And, it, and it, uh, fortunately, it happened for me about a year or so later. Yeah. So, it, it, so twenty, I think 2010, you went to UNH. Was it 2013 you became... 
uh, full-time at your the current position, I believe? Yes, the Peter Principle, as I call it, What's where everybody that? gets elevated to their level of incompetence. Uh, I'm, and I'm, I am now the associate AD. I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Peter's calling. This might be it, this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this might be it. Oh, no, you are exactly where you belong right now, <laughs> sitting at a table unwanted by those looking at us. Unpaid. But we're having fun. Doing a podcast. Uh, racking up our bill as they yes. keep serving beers to us. But, no, you know, a, a guy named Tom Wilkins I have to give some credit to because Tom Wilkins basically saved me from the baseball life. Uh, he was the... What's my title? Associate AD for communications. I don't know. I can't keep track. Of Back then, time. it was called media relations. It's changed. The, the department's yeah. changed names three times. The job's the same. But Tom, <laughs> he and I. This is why when people say, "How do you get the job you get?" It's luck. It's dumb, stupid. You have luck. to know people, and it's luck. Yeah. He, I broadcast a hockey game for UNH at St. Lawrence University in New York, way in New York. Oh yeah. It was a Sunday night game early in the year, probably like an October game, and no one else was willing to do it. And mm-hmm. so I was doing color commentary football with Jim Janot. And I said, yeah, I'll do anything UNH wants because eventually yeah. I want. So I said, after the football broadcast ends, so about 3.30 on a Saturday, I will drive out to this eight hours. Hole in the wall, yep. And, and uh, Dot Sheehan, who was the boss at the time, and maybe even Marty Scarano, the AD, said to Tom, Tom, you're going, he was covering hockey as the yep. SID, for lack of a better term. He's like, ride in the car with Murphy. He's going to fall asleep. And so we rode all those hours together and talked about, you know, what he wanted to do in, in his career. I talked about what I wanted to do. And, oh, man, I'm. You know, technology's changing. Imagine we do more video and social media, things at UNH. And sure. Yep. It'd be great to one day work together. And that was 2008 because the, the Rays were playing the Phillies in the World Series. I remember that. And it was two less than two years later yep. where this position opened up. He was elevated to this role and brought me in in what his, his capacity. And then three years later, because he is ambitious and talented, he's now number two in command at Southern New Hampshire University. Oh, sure, yeah. And uh, fortunately, I was lucky that Marty and Dot said, all right, well, Murphy's here. Let's give him a shot. Because <laughs> well, if, if there was an open competition, if there were resumes coming in, <laughs> no chance. <laughs> Knock it off. So being in the right Stop place. Stop being humble. Right place, right time means a lot. Well, that's well, in media, that's everything. That's yeah. uh, to get, you know, people, sometimes, uh, I don't know why, but sometimes high school kids will ask me, what do you do to get into media? I'm like, well, first of all, make sure your family's rich because you're not going to make shit forever. If ever, yeah. and uh, you, you have to be willing to do a lot of stuff for for nothing or next to nothing. Uh, you have to get to know a lot of people, and you got to have a lot of luck. Like that's that's luck is I'd say about seventy percent of it. I mean, you could you, I mean, yeah. you, you could bust your balls forever, and if you don't, you know, the chips don't fall uh, a certain way. Who knows? Meeting good people, uh, and it's tough in this business to have loyal people who, who won't try to stab you in the back because, you know, every day I worked in radio, somebody would send a tape applying for my job to me. They didn't right. care. <laughs> I have this right. much experience listening to my tape. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's great. And I've heard a hundred, if not more, people who sound better than I am and better than I am. Like, but that's not what we're even looking for. What else are you going to do? Like in baseball, are you going to make yeah. sales? No, 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 I'm too good for that. Well, you're no, gone. No, fuck off. Yeah. Nobody cares. <laughs> what are you going to do? If you're willing to emasculate yourself and do the lowest jobs, we've got a job for you. Right. And, and, and there's a lot of that that's going on. Yeah. Who are those people that would try to take your jobs? Anybody we know? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Name names. Uh, well, I mean, they didn't. in most cases, they didn't know it was my job. It was just <laughs> blind. A dear sir sure. saw my title, but whatever. And, and most of these guys have gone on and been uh, better than I am now. Uh, Scott Sudikoff is one. You know, Scott, he does a lot yep. of college stuff. He would apply, and then later on, he'd say, hey, you mind checking out my tape? I'm like, yeah, okay, you sound ten times better than me. I, can't, I literally cannot critique you right. because you're too good. <laughs> but I'm not going to give you my job because I need it. 
You know, that's and you I'll, never told me I was ten times better than you. And oh, I'm happy to critique you all you want. Justin. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, some scathing emails about that. Well, our good friend Andy Shackett was very open about <laughs> always wanting to be the voice. You know, when, whenever Jim Janot would take, because again, I was color commentator, which is laughable because I never played the game. Right. Yeah. You know, the color commentator, typically the the former player. So Jim Janot's the legendary voice forever, Hall of Famer. And then when Jim would miss a game, I would. You'd fill yeah. in, and Andy would be, he was our sideline reporter. He'd say, he'd go to Dot, and he'd openly say, Dot, you can't have the color commentator become the play-by-play, because then you'd get worse in color. I'm not that good at color. I'm good at play-by-play. Let me do that. So we're, I don't know if it ever worked. I don't know if he ever actually did it, but he tried, and he, we, he and I had a good friendship because he was always open that he was that competitive trying to get that job. What was he like? Because I've only met Andy a few times. And uh, this is this will be really inside baseball. The, the the ten people that listen to both me and Andy at WTSN will like this part. But what was he really like? I because I'll tell you my experience with Andy Shackett. They're very limited. So I met him uh, a couple times where he's very pleasant and helpful. Like oh here you know uh, you know setting up a high school game. So I think he was still at WTSN at the time. I was somewhere else. Uh, here the, you know blah 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 blah. Here here's here's some tips. Here's this. Oh thank you Andy. The one time, this is when my opinion on Andy changed forever, was that UNH, I don't think you were there yet. This is when they still treated the media like like, uh, like unwanted uh, stepchildren when, uh, for the high school championships and things like that. Before you got there. Now we're treated like wanted stepchildren. But, before, <laughs> but back then, so we're in the bleachers. Everybody's going to plug into one power strip. Everybody's going to plug into three different phone lines. Andy is still a TSN and accidentally unplugs everybody. <laughs> that's that's waiting there. Accidentally wasn't his fault, but then uh, I was in like the pregame for Portsmouth basketball, whatever. Uh, so then uh, everybody's screaming at him, and I'm like, okay, well we'll get this figured out. And he plugs it back in, and he says something to me. I didn't hear what I'm like. Ah, oh, don't worry, Andy. I was in a pre-roll package, whatever. And he goes, I don't care what you were in. <laughs> and I said, I said to him, I don't think he heard me, but I said. Oh, okay. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> if I'm still at the same station for 28 years, I'd be bitter too. I don't think he heard that part. But after that, I was done with him. So I've seen both sides, and I've seen some other stuff with Andy too. But what what was he like on a day to day basis? Ah, uh, I love the guy. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you really should do. I, I said this before this podcast, and since I consider myself the only audience, I like the guests you have. Uh, if you have a Kirk Minahan, that's great. If you get Chad Finn to come, that'd be great. Freed would be good. Mm-hmm. Andy Shackett, especially here on the Seacoast, for the WTSN people who know you know him. Because one of the things that opened my eyes to Andy was he invited me over to come watch college football. This is back before he could have three TVs. He sure. had multiple computers. He had wires going everywhere. And we watched a whole bunch of games together. But, you know, I knew Andy and realized I was working a small station in Concord. He was working the small station in Dover. But we were going around town and people were going, hey, Andy. Oh, my God. There's a-. I couldn't believe how famous. We're going to the Whittemore Center to watch a hockey game together. And everybody knows Andy Shackett. Yeah. It was then that the light switch went on. Wow, he was the big fish in this pond because... I, he tried to do all these things with the network. When WTSN had UNH, God bless him, he was doing like a three-hour pregame show. I've seen like I saw some of the tapes that were saved, and I was like, who does an hour-long volleyball pregame show? Oh. He two things like that. Yeah, he did play-by-play of volleyball. He did the field goal kicking contest and and won somebody. Uh, I don't know if he won him books or something mm-hmm. while he was doing the sideline reporting. So he was intuitive. He always wanted to do the next big thing and had these big ideas. And then somebody would say no, and he'd just be crestfallen. You know? and, he, and he'd be like, well, never mind. You know, yeah. I do all this work. No one cares. So it, it was like the, the ebbs and flows. Well, it's because he worked for the Demersus. And the, <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing can steal your soul away. And it, like working for the Demersus, well, they don't own WTSN anymore. But the people that own WTSN forever were just 
shit on everything you do, and that probably and I could. I, it seemed like I took it better than Andy did. I guess for what you're saying. I was just really surprised when he, when Andy finally was gone because it was he did the high school show. He would call me on a Tuesday morning. Yeah, and because he did the coaches show. You know, here we are doing this coach. Well, who, no one cares where we are. But the point is, I do a coaches radio show Monday night. We're Buffalo Wild Wings in Newington. Yeah. We'll give them. We'll give your show a plug. All right, thank you. Well, yeah, you can come watch Murph do it every Monday with Coach Mack and uh, other uh, UNH coaches. But go ahead. But forever, this was Andy's show. Right. And Andy created the show when Coach Mack and the football team were winning three games a year. Right. And he did it with the, the women's sports teams, and he just loved UNH and did everything he possibly could to promote UNH. Uh, but then after that relationship ended because the rights went to a different radio station. Yep. He was doing a high school type show. Right. Right. And Which is what I inherited when I got there. Yeah. Every Tuesday he'd call me and he'd say, hey, the ratings are in. Uh, you win this week because I only had the <laughs> swimming team from Berwick. And each week, either he would win or I would win, but it was a big deal to him to have that conversation. He was—he didn't know what the ratings were because the Demerses wouldn't subscribe to the ratings. That's why you can't find out what the ratings were. Or you couldn't in New Hampshire forever because they wouldn't pay the money for the ratings book. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that, he was making that up. He did, and, it was, <laughs> and he did it for my benefit, and we did it for years. Right. He'd always compare based on – because, you know, he still would walk in the field house on occasion and say – this is the first time the men's basketball team and women's basketball team have a better winning percentage than the men's. Like, he's always thinking about things. And That's I- the other thing I heard of him. He's very smart. Yes. Like, like, yes. like almost too smart for his own good because if, you, if, you, if you're too smart and you're too, I don't know, they say this about baseball players, if you're too smart, it ends up hurting you because you get inside your own head too much. I think that was the, a little bit of what happened with Andy. My last Andy thing was Go ahead. You, you think him unplugging you was something. I remember when Channel 9 was doing UNH football games live on TV. Really? This goes back 20 years. Yeah, that wasn't when the current guy was there. Yeah. So <laughs> Channel 9's doing the game. They have a sideline reporter, and Andy was the sideline reporter for the radio broadcast. Yeah. And so the game ends, and typically, here's how it works. TV people get first crack at live sure. interviews. Andy was having none of it. So... <laughs> Uh, I think Brad Dupuis was the sideline reporter t- interviewing Coach Mack live on TV, and Andy walks in and asks the next question that has his microphone in there. And the rest of the interview he had to share. It was the most beautiful thing in the world. That's outstanding. Charlie Sherman was not happy. Andy heard about it. But Andy was like, you know what? Guess what? I'm down here. I'm going for it. That's the kind of aggressive guy he was. And it was a, it's a great story. Yeah. So, yes, please have him on this podcast. I'll, you know, maybe we'll try to do that. I don't know how many people would, would uh, be big in Dover. Yeah, well, that's, you know, Dover's a It'd be big bigger, Dover. bigger than I am in Dover. Nobody knows. Now, and you asked me about an hour ago now, what was it like to be a big fish in a small pond? Yes. It's been a long time since I even could fit that description. Early in my radio career, when it was small podunk radio, mm-hmm. that's when I was the most famous, quote-unquote, because the late 90s in Concord, New Hampshire, you didn't have all the things you have now. Right. I would read people's birthdays on the radio, sure. the school closings. I'd tell stories about my first wife and our cats. Didn't have kids yet. First wife. No, getting lost, driving around because I knew nothing about. And people ate it up. Like, I'd see them in the store. Oh, my God, you're Mike Murphy. Or, I mean, there were people who knew me then, but that was in the 90s, late 90s. It, I, 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 there, I think there's still some of that going on. It's, but with, with people that love UNH because it's become. Now they troll. The trolls know me now. Well, the tro- well sure, because you probably engage them, which, which and I do too. At FakeBurr595. That's right. But let me ask you this: So you've been uh, you've been a UNH guy for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the football team, I think in some uh, in some areas, maybe not just some areas, I think is when you think UNH sports, you think UNH hockey because that's I mean you've yes. got players in the in the NHL. You, you know, it's been so successful. I think over the last uh, maybe not quite the last decade, but 
I think now kids that are going from high school to college, when they think UNH sports, they think football. And I think that's really been a, a credit to Coach Mack. And, you know, he's had, he's, he's had a couple of guys as coordinators along the way, Chip something or other, I don't know. Might have helped out a bit. But how uh, – can you, can you explain to people what, what a meteoric a – me, meteoric? Me, meteoric rise it's been for UNH football over the past, I don't know, like seven or eight years? Yeah, I, I go back as far as 2004 because they've been to the playoffs 12 years in a row. Sure, yeah. Most of the time, getting to the quarterfinals, winning at least one game. Yeah, and, and Ricky Santos was the guy. Uh, anybody who, who paid attention, even if you didn't know, when Ricky Santos broke onto the scene, it was your typical Hollywood story. UNH was mediocre, as you're talking about. Right. And then in 2004, the first game of the year, the seasoned senior quarterback, Mike Ranieri, was back. And so people were thinking – hey, we, we had a good end of 2003. Things are coming together. And the first game against the defending national champs from, uh, from, from Delaware, we have our quarterback go down with an injury. And the backup okay. quarterback was hurt. So now the third-string freshman quarterback, Ricky Santos, comes in. And, and sure enough, we go out and, and win the game. We go out and beat the defending national champs wow. of Delaware on the road to the league. And people go, wow, well, the next game we're at Rutgers. You, you, you know, <laughs> the typical- Which is Division One? It was one in A and one double A at that point, wasn't it? Yeah. FCS, FBS. That's the game where a school like New Hampshire goes to get a paid check to go there. You're supposed to do- take your loss, right. right? Going back to wrestling, you do the job, you lose and go home. Yeah. Well, Rutgers had beaten Michigan State the week before, and I remember this is one of the best sports casting weekends of my life because the Fisher Cats baseball team were in their inaugural year. I was the play-by-play announcer. They were playing in the playoffs mm-hmm. against the Binghamton Mets. So on a Friday night, I broadcast a, champ- a playoff game, and we- Fisher Cats beat the Binghamton Mets. I got in my car, drove to New Jersey, listened to WFAN, and they talked Rutgers. People were excited because, wow, we're going to win the Big East, which was still a thing. Right. Because we beat Michigan State. I think and I remember that-, that Michigan State game, too. Yeah, the next day, uh, UNH beats Rutgers at yeah. Rutgers <laughs> with Ricky Santos making his first career start, and that just began right. the amazing run of winning playoff games. And Santos was just, and David Ball, who became David Ball, the yep. receiver, those two guys. The Stockton and Malone, you know, always sure. known for what they did together. It was exciting. It was Chip Kelly had that weird mind. It was all kinds of plays people had never seen before. The mm-hmm. spread offense, it was exciting. It was fun, and it worked. Even when the defenses were giving up 40 points, Ricky would score 50. Sure, yeah. You know, and then they've been to playoffs every year since. And, and they beat Georgia Southern in the four seed that year in 2004. And I ended up losing to Montana, but it was a, oh, a juggernaut. But Best loss of my life because we beat Georgia Southern. I say we now. See how yeah, say we. Well, you're employed by the university. It's yeah. fine. And I knew nothing about Division I AA playoffs because New Hampshire never been there. But Montana and Georgia Southern hated each other because right. they were perennial playoff teams. And so when we got to Missoula, Montana, and I wore a UNH shirt, no drinks I could buy, no food I could buy. Because <laughs> you beat Georgia Southern. They were buying everything. <laughs> And that's when the first time I saw a football passionate place. I'm like, Missoula, Montana, I just fell in love with everything about it. And uh, that kind of started this this great ride. And Coach Mack deserves so much credit, more than he'll ever get because of Santos, because of Ball. And Chip Kelly, God bless him. Uh, great offensive mind. He's done a great job. He gets way too much credit, though. You notice that? Yeah. How He's many years gone? was Chip Kelly actually at UNH? It wasn't that long, right? Oh, no, he was there a long time. Don't get me wrong. But he was actually like 1991. He was in college. But until 2006. Like assistant Offensive coach. coordinator, I mean. How oh. long? 
you know. Yeah, I mean the two. Th- he he was gone in 06, after the 06 season. Sure. So 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 by what nine years? I mean, no one knew who he was. Right. He was very quiet. He was brilliant, obviously, but yeah. he wasn't doing the PR stuff. A lot of people thought he'll never lead. He will never become a head coach because yeah. he is so about the football and not the PR that comes with it. Well, guess what? He did okay. Yeah, he <laughs> he's doing all right. But he's been gone so long that people still say, "Oh, is this the Chip Kelly offense?" I can't tell you how many interviews I have to <laughs> coach Mac and these guys yeah, have to well, do. And when Ricky Santos, it's came a good back problem to have. Let's not let's not make it sound like it's a cross to bear. It is for me because I have to work. Like when NBC comes in or ESPN, I have to do interviews. Oh, it's humble all about brag. Me. It's all about me having to set things. Oh, they're not, they're not talking to me. I have to set them up with other people if they're asking me about these things. But no, hey, Chip Kelly, he's done wonders for the national recognition. That's why it's no coincidence sure. you say, oh, UNH is rise to prominence right. in the last six, seven years. Well, that's because since Chip Kelly went to Oregon, people have realized what even here locally is still kind of a secret. Yeah, UNH hockey will always be the big thing at UNH, but football has done so much. And now at the new stadium, yeah. uh, they have 21,000 on a cruddy day for yeah. homecoming coming out for that uh, win against William & Mary. So, yeah, it's been it's been a, a really good run. It's been a lot of fun. What do you think, other than Chip Kelly, what do you think has been the biggest factor? And obviously Coach Mack, but, I mean, uh, what do you think was the po- – was it the Rutgers game? Was it something else where you said, uh, this isn't just a little fad here. This is this is something that's going to be here to stay. I think that, again, I go to Coach Mack because he doesn't go for the quick fix. A lot of these 1AA schools, now FCS, yeah. they'll get, hey, the quarterback didn't quite make it at Michigan State, and he transfers to yeah. this school. And it sounds great. Oh, man, these guys are loaded with all these transfers. But at UNH, you can be from New Hampshire. Yeah, Trevor Knight, Nashville South. Rick Holt. Yeah. I mean, you go on, and they stick with you. You work your way up through the program. It's all hard work. No one's promised anything. And the New Hampshire kids, of which there's a ton on the team, become really good players as part of the system. Right. Yeah, yes, you get kids from California. Chad Cackert was a running back from out in California, and you have to get elsewhere. But the fact that you can grow up in New Hampshire, go to these camps, high school coaches form relationships with the Coach Mack, and their kids know if they go and work hard, yeah. they can be part of something special. To me, that's what it is, is that it's a culture that has been feeding itself the hard work, the, the blue collar, the dungeon, all that. And it, how can you argue with 12 yeah. years in a row going to the playoffs? It's truly a program now, which, I mean, I remember going to UNH games when I was a kid and, you know, the, you know, the, the, the field was a mess. And you know, even Coach uh, St. Thomas coach Eric Kumba, when he played there in the, during the chip years, he, you know, even then the field was a, you know, was a nightmare. And, uh, you know, they'd let people on, at halftime, if you were a kid, you'd try to kick field goals, you know. It was kind of a, a melee. But now now it feels like it feels like a big-time program, as much as a, a New Hampshire thing can feel big-time. Yeah. Other than you and I, we're big-time. Well, we're big-time, and we are, <laughs> we are the FCS of, uh, of radio talent right here. But, yeah, and the thing is, it it's finally has the facility that matches the program's stature. Sure. I mean, Number one, a couple of years ago, the team was number one in the country in the national semifinals and led in the fourth quarter. Now, people who even know a little bit about FCS think of North Dakota State because they won five championships in a row. Right, and, and they haven't lost to a, an FBS team in yeah. forever. So if not for them, if they would just move up, darn it, you know, yeah. everybody else would have a shot. <laughs> but, I mean, UNH has been right there, and now you go to that stadium. Have you been over to the stadium? I haven't yet. No, I'm probably not going to get over there till the uh, till the uh, high school finals unless you find a way for me to get up into that booth there. I'm I can't sorry. wait to. You know, this is going to be great. The, the terrible press box. I had to squeeze all you guys in for at the high school. You can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's less odd to me when I unplug everybody and pretend it's Andy. You know, so 
But, like, it, it's the high school kids playing there is just going to be great. The Chad game is coming back there. Oh, that's oh, that's fantastic. The Chad game? Yeah, yeah I, I just think it's eventually graduations there. The, the huge video board when, they, when the guys sure. see themselves. And that, it, it's, it's about the state having this kind of facility. I know everybody goes, oh, when are you going to move up? And to, guess what? No one is moving up. All right? You're not going to build a 35,000-seat stadium to go play against Florida State and Miami and get these guys killed. Right. The FCS is a great level of football. I mean, Absolutely, the, the yeah. Playoffs are fun, and you can play home games in the playoffs by having a good season. So it's more like a an actual sport than the, the Big Five and Division One FBS, where only six or seven teams have a prayer every year. Sure, sure, absolutely. All right, so we've we've, we've talked about you. We've talked about UNH. Let's talk about people in the media. Yes. <laughs> now it's now, people might want to fast forward to this part where 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 I asked Murph to shit on some people. Who's the worst person you've had to deal with in the New Hampshire media? The person where you've, just on a day-to-day basis, or maybe even a week-to-week basis, where you've just said, oh, God, this fucking guy, i got to deal with him. Who's the, if you don't want to name names, that's fine. But you, the, you, can, you can give us enough context where we can figure it out. Who's been awful? The worst Other person. than me. Gosh, I, I wish I had New Hampshire <laughs> media that really, you know, the worst, the hardest to deal with was Alan Lessels. Who? Uh, the insider, Alan Lessels. You don't know who he is? <laughs> Alan Lessels worked for Helping the sell it, He worked for the Boston Globe for a long time. Mm-hmm. He worked for the Union Leader for a long time. And he's a guy who covered UNH much like Boston sports would cover their their teams, you know? Sure. And he'd he'd know about injuries, he'd know about suspensions, he'd know stuff that nobody else knows because he wasn't just regurgitating the press releases. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But the weakness Alan had was he loved UNH. He went there, and he, he secretly wanted to work because newspaper was dying. No. And so Alan, don't I'm, tell hey, John Doyle. Hey, Alan, if you don't mention these sports, you know John Doyle went to college in New Mexico? Has that, he mentioned that? That's what I hear. Yeah. But Alan, so basically, we, to shut Alan up, Alan up, we said, hey, you know, maybe eventually we'll get you a chance to work here. And we did. We hired Alan. Yes. He now writes for us that he's a complete shill. And right. all the stuff he had, he used to be a report, <laughs> he could never report again. So that's how you beat him. You, you hire him. That's not what I meant, and you know it. Who's who's been who's just been awful? Who's been terrible to to, to either deal or terrible to you personally? Who do you hold grudges against? Is what I'm saying. Uh, You're like me. You're a grudge holder. I know it. You put on that happy face and that humble, yeah. fake Murph, and you yeah. do your self depreciatory. That's all. all right. There's a little kid in front of me. That's all hooey and applesauce. <laughs> See, <it's laughs> the worst guy in the media I ever had to deal with was the boss who fired me from the media. I have to go there. Sen- Senator Gordon. Humphrey. Really? What, what? Did he own KXL? What did he own? He what? did. He did. He. he uh, Gordon Humphrey got into the radio business. Okay. In uh, two thousand uh, four, five, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So I'd been at WKXL for nine years. Right? Sure. I was a typical going nowhere guy. Now I'd gotten. Know that story. I had a chance to <laughs> do the talk show. I was doing UNH Sports and mm-hmm. the Fisher Cats, but. All those things were hobbies. That's the beauty of doing, oh, what a great job you have. Yeah, but I need something to pay the check during the week. Right. And so I still get up at 4 in the morning and go exactly. read yeah. the sports reports at WKXL. Now, at the time, WKXL was an AM 1450, really small AM. But then there was a bigger FM that would get into the Lakes region or Manchester, the yeah. big city. Anyway, Gordon Humphrey bought the AM, little tiny AM station. And I'm like, okay, well, no one's going to hear that one. Uh, so I'm going to stay at the FM. But then Gordon took me for a walk and said, hey, here's what we're going to do, and what are you making money now? And I forget what it was, but yeah. he offered more. I said, guess what? I'm going to be on your AM station. Let's go. <laughs> and so he was very hes very conservative, as yep. you might know, uh, very local-minded, very local-centric. And so we clashed because 
we had to broadcast mass on Sundays. Sure. We had to bring the thing. Not that I had to go do it, but somebody had. That to. was weird. But what what really was the breaking point is by now I'd been, I've been here ten years and I know sports in this area. I do UNH and Fisher Cats. You know, yes. I'd gotten big for my britches and. He didn't pay homages. When I'd read sports, he'd send me an email. Email was still pretty new, and he'd send long emails at like <laughs> 6 in the morning. And he'd be, um, you need to do this, local sports. Do more local. And by local, he meant Red Sox was too far. This sounds very familiar. UNH, Let me just tell you. Yeah, UNH was too far. <laughs> it got to the point where he goes, look at page, I don't know, C2 of the Concord Monitor. There's a treasure chest of middle school scores. <laughs> And I've already gotten in trouble for my my attention to middle school sports, as you know. So it was, I, I couldn't believe he was telling me to read middle school scores. And I, I at one point had it and said, I just can't do this. And, you know, and he says, okay, well, I appreciate that, Mike. Listen, you have until February and then you're gone. I've eliminated your position. So I learned, kids, this is a lesson for you. Yeah. Uh, you tell the boss he's wrong too many times. Yeah. Eventually, hey, thank you. We no longer need you. And you know what? He's right. He doesn't need me. He's been doing it ever since. And. It, of course, it, which, this is the best thing ever happened to me because my career is done. Sure. I was able to go, and I had to be ambitious, and it kicked me in the tush to get out there and do things. So. Right. But, you know, I mean, he's and, – and I think the, the guy doing the – Chris Ryan does a good job there now, and he's allowed to read the Boston scores. How strange. It took a little while to realize middle can, school wasn't where it's at. Can I, I used to get these same – I didn't get emails because uh, Mr. Demers didn't really email. Uh, I would love another one of those. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, please, I'll do the same. Yeah, we're yes. here. We had, we had another hour to go. Uh, oh, yeah. Bud Light, please. Oh, can I mention the specific one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Anheuser-Busch, where's my check? But uh, So uh, Mr. Demers would call me into his office just to uh, – he'd write down on his legal pad all the things I had done wrong. And usually it was things that he had read in the newspaper the day after I had reported them. He just didn't bother to listen to his own radio station. So he's like, you need to talk about this girl that ran the 800 meters. And she went <laughs> and, and she won the, the entire thing. I said, well, yes, Mr. Demers, we had that on yesterday. No, you didn't. It was in the paper today. There's no way you had a... Uh, oh, I can pull the tape for you if you like. But that's a very, very similar story to what I used to hear. In fact, my, my friend Dave Haley, our friend Dave Haley, whenever I used to call him and tell him these stories, he would say, people don't understand how uh, accurate some parts of Howard Stern's private parts are, that movie. Where, where it, Whenever I would tell him these stories, he would go, WNBC. Because that's, <laughs> that's what it was like. Yeah. You know, I know you say I'm a grudge holder, but why do I have to hold... I mean... I, I've been doing pretty well, luckily. People have been... I've been lucky. I've been I, can, I can tell deep down you're a grudge holder. Like I don't, I don't, Maybe I'm projecting. Maybe I'm the grudge holder and I'm projecting yeah. that onto you. That's I mean, probably what's going no on. Because no one's really given me the Heisman from a position I wanted. <laughs> That's I, true. I, I kind of wish we could go back in time, though, because I, I mentioned Jim Janot's name. You, sure. Or, there was a time, it's almost like the Anchorman time. Like, if you and I had lived and been doing this job in the 70s... Oh, my God. You would have had the seacoast with yours. Right. I would have had Concord... You know, somebody else would have had Manchester, and we'd all be broadcasting the same big events. They have like, yeah. I mean, Lundholm Jim used to have seven, eight radio stations sure, with yeah. Bob LaBelle and Dick Lutz and yep. Ken Kim. They all had the gigs, and then they'd go drink martinis, whatever they did exactly. that night. Yeah. I mean, there was room for everybody in the dial. Now, radio, there's just no room for anybody in any dial. I get, that's why I had to start my own, uh, yeah. air quotes, network. Even though, I guess it kind of is a network now because somebody else simulcasts the stuff I do. So now it, now it really is a network. Well, I, but, <laughs> yeah. I'm a very narrow audience because, yes. as I told you, I, I like your style. Would love to listen to you, and that's why you can't work. That's because, right. Yeah. You know, radio these days, you have, if you put the radio on in the morning, it is painful because you're going to have, except for like Crutchy, you have somebody. Hey, here's what the survey is this week. How many people prefer to brush their teeth while they're driving? And right. then the woman laughs, and then you get a couple callers. Like, I can't listen to local radio anymore. And I used to be part of the machine, but anybody who's 
out there. Can I can I tell you something? Can I humble brag a little? Because that now now that uh, now that uh, WTSN and the Bay are owned by somebody that buys the ratings, you can go back and look at old ratings. So I I think there's more of an audience for people that are out there like you and I than you think. Because yes, when I was still on the Bay Morning Show, they were getting like eh, this is real inside baseball, but I don't give a shit. It's my podcast. Yeah. Uh, the, their ratings uh, for the station as a whole were 3.7, and then I got pulled off by the uh, the Falcone group that was going to merge with WTSN and ended up falling through. After I got pulled off, the next ratings book. It was a 1.6, so it went down by more than 50. percent So I think yeah. if you if people know that you're genuine, like you and I seem to be, not me, I'm a complete phony, but like you seem to be, yeah, they like it. If you if you're just genuine, if you're if you're if you're sticky, hey, 49 degrees, here's the Van yeah. Morrison on a good looking Tuesday. People don't like that, but if you're if you're weird but genuine, people dig that. Well, I'm definitely weird, Gen- and, and I guess for the most part genuine, because, I mean, I'll say stupid things all the time, and that's just how <laughs> things roll with me. I, I've always enjoyed being on the radio. Right. Uh, I, that's why this podcast, I get no value out of this, but it's great to be on with you. That's right. Because uh, I'll buy your beer. It's it, fine. And I'll listen to a show sometimes just because the people talking are entertained what they're talking about. All right? And the, the example I'll give is Dave. Dave and Pete, the high school, and now you and the— Right. I don't know high school sports. I'm a whole sure. but I'll listen to that, and I think it's the best show going because the knowledge, the passion, they're flying yeah. by, and it's not cookie cutter stuff. It's guys doing something different. A lot of sports radio in New Hampshire is trying. Is it, 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 Boston JV? Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's like a, how can we be like uh, you know like Dale and Holly? How can we be like this? How can we be like Let's just go do your own stuff? And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I can hear the Boston station. I don't need you to give give me something <laughs> different. This is my selfish plug to get more UNH talk in these stations. Doesn't work. Because everybody's either too conservative. Because the audience, you're right, audience, I, I misspoke earlier 67 times so far. That's fine. But sometimes the, what the audience likes does not translate to what the advertisers or managers are comfortable yes, with. Yes, yeah, that's a lot of it, yeah. And that's why it's, it's radio world is what it is, and you have to be, I understand, listen, I can't go on the Coach Max show and start ripping the opponents. Right. right. When I do that show, it's c- completely a PR machine. Did you know that, for, you must know this, for years when I was at TSN, I could not mention the UNH scores. I was forbidden. You know Forbidden what? to talk about UNH. You never told me that, but I heard you on the podcast with uh, whether it was Doyle or Minahan or, or someone say that, and I was shocked. I mean, the, the because reason- here's here's the quick one minute story. The people that love UNH, and those are probably the people that are listening, will love this. So when uh, when Learfield ended up with the UNH rights, it was uh, the, WTSM was the flagship station way before I got there for UNH sports. Uh, I, but this is the story I got, and it's probably all BS because I got it from the people that own WTSN. They told uh, the people at WTSN, buy all this stuff. We want to expand our network. We want to make it sound better because it's coming through phone lines, blah, blah, blah. Go buy all this stuff so we can make it sound better. And the TSN people did, and then UNH ended up going with Learfield. And so from that point forward, it was a it was a blood feud between the Demers family and UNH. So I couldn't, like when UNH, when I had, I had you on one time, from Wofford, I think, <laughs> to talk about the playoff game that was coming up. I got a 20-minute ass reaming about that. And I would say the swear word louder, but there's a little kid sitting in front of me. Yep. I got reamed out for 20 minutes about that. So I was not allowed to talk about UNH at WTSN for three years until I finally bullied my way into talking about it. So every other time I was on the show, we talked about WWE, right? Basically, yeah. That's, that why was okay. it was, that why, that's why it was five minutes of UNH and 20 <laughs> minutes of WWE, WWF stuff. Well, I'm just honored I could cause that kind of <laughs> ruckus in any radio station. Usually no. I didn't move the needle one way or the other. But, I mean, unlike holding a grudge, I think I still talk about people who other – Dick Osborne. Mm -hmm. The name Dick Osborne. I mean, 
the Dick Osborne story back in the days before there was Learfield, Dick Osborne ran the Wildcat Sports Network. Okay. He's the one who hired me to work that story I told you in 1995. Sure. Always have been loyal to me. Hey, I get it. What happened? All right. <laughs> I remember the morning. You know, he, like, I don't know this story, so tell this story right. to me. Well, the story, you tell me the Reader's Digest version. But. All right. Well, the story basically is, is Dick Osborne was working at uh, NHTI, and uh, he took the, I don't know if he was on the job or not, but he took a the, the, the company vehicle to Kingston, New Hampshire, uh-huh. where he was hoping to meet a lady. Well, sure. That's where you want to meet ladies. Yes. And unfortunately, <laughs> the lady he was going to meet, and there was going to be some commerce, I believe, maybe. An exchange of goods and services. Was a police officer, and Ooh. the front page of the newspaper was him in handcuffs the next day. That's not a good look. And so, <laughs> yada, 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 he was done with UNH, <laughs> and he moved on. But I tell you what, I love the guy, and a year or two later, he sold me a washer, because he, you know, he, he didn't like run away. He went to work at Sears, and he sold me a, a dishwasher that I own. But I remember the day it was in the paper. The day mm-hmm. here he is, the guy, my mentor, the GM. Uh, it was very strange because he was wearing the same clothes he'd always see, but he had handcuffs on. Sure. And I was doing the, a morning radio. It was the Concord Boys and Girls Club Radiothon. And the host was a guy named Peter St. James. Who's still oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He won Broadcaster of the Year last year. Yeah, he's still there. Remind <laughs> me of the time I won that big award. But he... <laughs> So I'm, I'm, it's 5 in the morning. I'm pulling into downtown Concord. I have barely even opened my eyes, so I don't know the news of the day. And I walk in. We're sitting down on location on Main Street. Uh-huh. And Peter St. James smoking a cigarette, which he's been under. He looks at me, doesn't bat an eye. He goes, huh, so they didn't catch you too, huh? <laughs> I mean, not even like good morning. How I mean, I didn't work at the radio station, but that one day a year because yeah. I was still working in, uh, for the Fisher Cats at the time. But I was allowed to come back and help with the and, sure. And then he shows me the paper. I'm like, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it was one of the most shocking things, you know. Yeah. And so the name Dick Osborne has been erased from UNH. Although yeah, no wonder I don't know about it. He was the voice of UNH hockey forever until this incident. Wow. So, but how quick he can be erased, you know? And, and, yeah. Uh, you know, then, then Dan Parker did a great job. It's not Dan's fault. This all happened. I understand. You know, when I get caught, that's going to say going to happen. So, uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, the point is I don't forget what he's done for me. Right. You know, and, and he was great. Bob Lippman, great guy in the business. Jim Janot, Ken Kale. There's just a lot of good guys in the business. Maybe in this side of the state, it's different. Once you get near the ocean, you smell the waves and everybody wants well, to yeah, kill well, each other. But That's uh, true. <laughs> oh, oh here, here's what the one, the only award I'm proud of. Just kidding. I like a lot of them. By the way, you won. You won. You asked me to look this up. Oh, yeah. You won uh, Air Personality of the Year, so broadcast of the year, 2008. This is the best award I ever won, and here's how it worked. Go ahead. I was at my my son was in kindergarten, and I was doing Halloween like Halloween bingo. Like back when I parented, you know, when you have small kids at the parent and you have to. I'm not familiar with parenting. My kids are 11 and 13. I don't think they're familiar with it either. Go ahead. Yeah, well, dig back a couple years earlier when, because the worst part of being a parent are the other parents. Oh, yes, by far. So I had a volunteer in school. But anyway, I'm doing this Hollywood bingo with a bunch of crazy kindergarten kids, and my cell phone rings. I have a cell phone, and it's Bob Littman. Mm -hmm. You know, again, I'm working for the. I'm not even in radio anymore. I did the once a week talk show for fun because in the off season, I was allowed to do it. But Bob Littman, unbeknownst to me, had entered my tape in this, the Golden Mics, the New Hampshire. Yeah. You can't enter yourself for Broadcaster of the Year. You can enter yourself for a lot of things. That's not one. You have to, somebody else has to nominate you. Well, so he must have done it. Right. He never told me. He goes, are you sitting down? He goes, you were just named the Air Personality of the Year. And I go, what does that mean? Sportscaster? He's like, no, no, not that one. Oh, so he was at the awards. You weren't there. Right. And they no, named you. He entered me. 
and he told me I won the. Air, this is this is like the not sports. This is the air. Yeah, all overall, yeah. And I'm on once a week, but you know how it is. You send it to Nebraska or Missouri. They don't know. Somebody listens for 30 Dan seconds. Dan Lunny and I won morning show of the year, and I was on the show twice an hour. You know what I mean? For four minutes. That's how it worked. So I had. <laughs> And, of course, I didn't earn it. That's pulling the tights and putting right. your feet in the ropes. But the, it ain't cheating if you don't get caught, Monsoon. That's the one that's hanging in my wall. Not the 12 golden mics when I was a radio every day. The one that – and I'd have 12 golden mics. The one that's I just my, air man. personality. Of, I mean, it's the biggest – Listen. Every radio person, if they knew me, would have hated my guts for not earning that. Listen, you know what Randy Savage always said? You win them in the ring and you lose <laughs> them in the ring, Murph. All right. I feel better now. Thank We're going to have another beer here, but before I let you off the hook, you said Eric Fried was the best uh, broadcaster in New Hampshire's produced. I, I, I guess, so other than Fried, because you already answered the question, who's the biggest talent? I'll say for, for, for right this moment, who's the biggest talent right now that you think is going to go uh, go places in New Hampshire? In local, it, it could be anything. It could be sports. It could be just regular radio. It could be TV. Who's going places? Well, you know, it. I hope people take chances on people because we, we spent a lot of time talking about how the media is becoming more cookie-cutter. I have a friend, and she'll be mad I even mentioned her name. She works for Binny Media, and she's somebody who's now on the bay doing like the, the bottom of the hour news. So she took my job. That's great. Yes. Go uh, ahead. Laura Montenegro. Oh, Laura really? Mont- uh, she was it's a my, good name. She went to UNH. <laughs> she's from New Hampshire. She was my intern like 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. Great sense of humor, knows a lot about current events, but not allowed to really branch out. And I, I was joking with uh, somebody else. I said, you should give her a shot on a talk show and do things because yeah. I think she could be really good. But, again, that's somebody I think I, mean, I don't follow. I hate to say it. I don't listen to a lot of New Hampshire radio anymore because I can grab my phone and listen to yeah. stations everywhere else. Me either because uh, everybody else has laid me off. But go ahead. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're the same way. I mean, like I said, if somebody would take a chance and give you a chance, it would be you. This was not a praise me question. You can if you want, but it was not a praise Justin question. Yeah, but again, it's tough to go places when people have – because I go to your Facebook page. I'm like, oh, my God. The first thing, you know, I love it. I follow it. I think about that sometimes. I think – yeah. I'll, I'll say something on Twitter and Facebook and go, well, that's probably another job I'm not getting because of that. <laughs> but the fact that you do it, the reason why I respect you is the reason why you ain't going anywhere. You know, so that's a tough thing, you know. And, so uh, Laura Montenegro, we think she's going places. I, I think Laura would be great uh, going somewhere else. Um, who else young people who are, who are out there trying to, to make that next step? Uh, who, do you have anybody in your mind that you can I think Christian Arcan is already almost there. He's already doing, like, overnights at EEI. I think he's almost there. He's a... Uh, I, he, he's. I think he gets it. Yeah. I think you, you kind of have to get it, which is a weird thing to say. But you, you you have to have the combination of of being good and knowing what's going on, and uh, also knowing that it could disappear tomorrow. So you better kind of let your freak flag fly, so to speak. Yeah. He 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 gets it. That's why I miss because I mean I haven't been in the media a long time. But when I was in it every day, and, and I have you know you weren't really in it as much then. Otherwise, we would have had these conversations. But, like, Mike Monansky and I would talk all the time. He was in Nashua. Yep. I was in Concord. I knew he was going places. Uh, Chad Finn would write for the Concord Monitors. Yeah. His Sunday Concord Monitor. And I'd have him on my talk show coming to the Bosquin. I said, he's just too good. And I remember I was so disappointed when he went to the Boston Globe and he wasn't writing. It, yeah. It took a long time to let him write because he's so a good writer. So some guys you could see, you know, Scott Lobber was the Concord Monitor. He's doing well now. And he was in Binghamton in between. And. I used to go to Binghamton and let him come on the broadcast with me. So, sure. so, guys, you know, I just don't follow it as much now, I'm afraid, to know. Uh, right, who are you surprised hasn't really, like, made it somewhere else because of whatever reason? Who are you surprised is still in New Hampshire doing what they do? Oh, man. I should have become more prepared. 
That's all right. I didn't know I was going to ask this question until I just spit it out, so it's fine. Yeah. Because <laughs> who's doing what in New Hampshire? I mean, Ken Kale doing the Monarchs, that doesn't surprise me. I don't think Ken's looking to jump mm-hmm. anywhere else. I mean, Bob Lippman's doing UNH stuff, and he's doing Fisher Cats. He's been Fisher Cats for, you know, the, um, well, he's in Portland, Maine, actually. The guy in Portland, Mike Antonellis of the Portland Sea Dogs. I think he'll die in that job. He loves that. But he's so He good. loves doing the Sea Dogs. He's yeah. so good. You know, I really thought he'd be in, in, in the big leagues by now. Because yep. I... I I listened to a bunch of radio guys at baseball, and I, you know, I'm friends with a lot of them, and I did it, and I wasn't good enough. And other guys, I'm like, okay, they're okay. Like he, when I listened to him do a game, I could, I don't know anybody playing in the Eastern League. I just always thought by now, or he'll get there. But you're right, that job is a great job. Yeah, so it is. That's ma- a good maybe gig. he's turning down yeah. other gigs, you know, because of that reason. But I, I don't want to say there's no young talent in New Hampshire now, but I mean, how many? Show, I mean, there's less places to. But I go back to like Dave and Pete doing the high school, and you. Like, why would you go anywhere else? That's their niche. That's yeah. what they do. Like, they're not going to go jump and do, like, Bismarck high school sports. <laughs> These guys grew sure. up here. This is what they want to do. Uh, there's just not a lot of guys who are doing, or, or, or ladies for that matter, who are getting the chance to do something. That I think there's less creative. places to do it. It's exactly. weird because there's more, There's more. you know, with, with technology and, you know, the, the, the crap I do, uh, you know, there's, there's more opportunities to do stuff like that, but there's less opportunities to make a living. Do it, or even you know, make it, make it, scratch out a living doing stuff. You know, it, it, it's weird how there's more media than ever, but less opportunities. I, I feel like you're right, and it's uh, it's it's a shame because I feel like I got in at the end of that run where local radio still had a lot of the pull that it had. Now I go find podcast. I, I drive an hour to work sure. every day. I don't listen to the radio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was yeah. t- when I talked to many, and said the same thing. He's like, I'm in, I'm on the radio, and I don't listen to the radio. It's just podcasts. That's the one station I listen. And again, I told you earlier, if you listen this long, I can't believe it. But I, I don't cheer for Boston sports. But that radio with Minahan and Callahan, just, uh, yeah. t- because they they're they're smart politically, which I'm not. They take a stand on those things, I which know. I don't. Not smart they are, but go ahead. Well, <laughs> they're, they're able to talk about it. You're sure. Right, sometimes, it, but they, they they don't shout down their callers so much. They shout down each other. Like yes. guys willing to I, go at it and take shots at each other yes. and bury each other to make the listeners uncomfortable almost. Yes. And, and their co-host walks out sometimes. Yes. To me, that's Gary what Tangway walking out. Yes. And my favorite guy nationally, I don't know if you know who he is, because he could never keep a job and he's not on anymore, a guy named Dino Costa. Look Dino up Dino Costa. Co- Dino Costa was on Madhouse Radio. I know that name. He ended up in St. Louis. I, I could, he got a morning job in St. Louis about a year ago, and I started listening to him every single morning. And he, he, he picked fights with every guy in town, <laughs> and he was out of a job, and now he's doing like sure. Wyoming sport Because there's no room to be that controversial because management's like, hey, you can't pick a fight with the afternoon guy, <laughs> even though it's funny and people yeah. like it. And EEI is the only one that's getting away with that right yeah. now. Yeah, well, that's because Minahan saved that show. That's why he can kind of do what he wants. He can write his, you know. Yeah. And and it's, they'd have Mike and Mike would be your morning show on EIFM if he hadn't shown up. Let's be honest, though. But is there anybody in New Hampshire you think is about to take that next step? Well, like I said, Christian Arcan. Um, yeah, I don't count him because I hear him in Boston. I don't hear him in New Hampshire. Yeah, I never listened true. to him in New Hampshire. Jesus, who? Wasn't who? Pete Shepard back in New Hampshire for a while? And he just he still in? is. He's still doing afternoons, and now he's, he's trying to get that morning show gig. I think he's out because uh, Jimmy Murphy, a guy named Jimmy Murphy, had Coach McDonald on, and I... I think he's on. I think Jimmy Murphy's on with Pete at this point. Oh, he told me Pete's not on anymore. So this oh, is really? Breaking news. Yeah. Oh, we're breaking some news here. So I guess Pete got the move to Boston because I think maybe Pete's done a nice job. Yeah, that would have been uh, an upset alert. But uh, yeah, God, I don't know. There's no. <laughs> there's not. I mean, I. There's not a lot of. There's no bench. You know what I mean? There's no yeah. bench anymore. There's. There's. And I think a lot of radio stations are are, are feeling that. Where like, let's say when Greg Kretschmar. Decides to hang him up, and when I, I I had him in my I had him on my podcast, and he didn't know when he was going to hang up. When he goes, who's stepping into that job? 
There's nobody that could do it. No. There's no like I think I'm I, I'm an egomaniac and I think I'm good on the radio. I couldn't do what he does. He he is a, a maniac how hard he works. I think but, about certain jobs like that, and I take it back to UNH. When Shaw McDonald retires, when Dick Humili retires, yeah. when Greg Kretschmar retires. Who's going to do that? Yeah, It depresses me because these are legends, I mean, right. real, real legends. Like, whatever, you and I, we stopped. No one even knew the next day we were right. done. But, like, when Greg Kretschmar leaves, because yeah, there's no other station that comes close, everybody else is the cookie cutter. No one else. There is no sure. heir apparent. You yeah. have to search nationwide and try to find somebody, and you know what? It won't work to the same extent. Because people have grown up with him, and they've been infantile with him and his gang. Right. And when he's gone, he's the ringmaster, and no one else can step in and do it. I, I, I hate to even talk about that because I don't want to see that day come. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I, based on talking to him, I think he's going to be, be there a while. But uh, Good. Well, Mike Murphy, we've talked, I think, for about an hour or so here, and uh, people tuned out about a half hour ago. But I want to thank you for... For, for doing this, we asked for beers about a half or an hour ago, too. Where the, the hell are those? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> They've been listening to this. And saying, you know what? Those guys have clearly they, had enough. They, they're, they're shut off. But yeah. uh, uh, when's the day? Oh, we can hear the coaches show. What is that on? 96.7 in the Seacoast. And uh, we're uh, like all over the place if you want to hear it around uh, around New Hampshire. Yeah, Learfield's done a nice job with the network. So 96.7 is the one in Portsmouth, 930 in Rochester. Nobody Six, listens to you. 610 in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> play, or get the TuneIn radio app. Ah, there you go. My favorite app. No, no, no. It's probably the iHeart radio. The, uh, uh, no, you know, the, it's with, funny with, enough, the weird deal, iHeart does not do UNH sports. So in really? other words, on the radio they do, but they don't stream it. So tune in is where you get UNH Corporate sports. bastards, please hire me. <laughs> please, please give me a job. And then you can work with Laura Montenegro, and then I'll listen, and then... Uh, Jesus, I'll work with anybody at this point. I applied for a country job. <laughs> that's that's a shoot. That's no lie. <laughs> Des- desperation is so sexy. Oh, People are here. It smells <laughs> terrific. Oh, boy. So, uh, and listen to Murph on uh, UNH Hockey, which is a job he stole from me that I wanted, and uh, UNH Basketball, and tell yeah. tell Jim not to, to retire so I can have some of these jobs, would you? For God's sake, the man's worked hard enough. No one's going to recognize you at Wendy's. <laughs> I, I'm still living with that guy. I get a free Frosty once in a while because I know him from Channel 11. There's like seven jobs if one guy would retire. I could have. But Mike Murphy, thank you for being here. Thank you for being on the podcast. Appreciate it, man. The pleasure is yours. All right, there you have it. The Justin McIsaac podcast with Justin McIsaac. Uh, Mike Murphy, I hope you stuck with the whole thing. I thought it was good. Hour long. Hour and seven minutes long. Longest one we've done to date. So uh, the bar's been set for whoever's up next. And uh, we have calls into some people, uh, including a uh, Somebody one of my favorite bands. We have a call into the governor. We've been kind of been uh, playing tag with the governor's people, trying to get her on. So uh, who knows who will be up uh, next week. But, uh, yeah, we'll see you next Friday on the Justin McIsaac podcast with Justin McIsaac. Thanks for listening.